But today's scripture comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 33 to 37. This is the word of the Lord. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, today we're going to have a guest speaker, uh, Pastor John Lee, which I think um, probably majority of you know. Uh, but let me just give a brief introduction for those of you who may not know him. Uh, pastor John was actually the, um, the planting pastor of this church, but now he is uh, working at Geneva School, which is a private Christian school on the Upper West Side, which um, a few of the kids I think here go to. And he is the upper school head there which is like the, um, I guess, middle school principal, kind of. Uh, but uh, I guess more than that, uh, spiritually, he's, um, he's somebody who connects people. He's somebody who uh, lifts people who are uh, really passionate, really love the Lord, and really even gifted in ministry, but maybe are not recognized uh, by the wider church because they don't necessarily have the credentials. And uh, I think his particular heart is to... Um, you know, honor those who may not, who should be honored, but who don't, who are not necessarily honored. Um, and uh, he's mentored so many people. Um, I would say probably like 75%, actually maybe 80% of what I think <laughs> probably is shaped by him or influenced by him in, in some form or fashion. So um, I think very privileged and I'm thankful he's always willing to um, to uh, preach for us, uh, especially when I could use a break from preaching. So without further ado, Pastor John, the Zoom is yours. Can you guys hear me? <clears throat> All right. I feel so powerful when you say the Zoom is mine. Uh, the family's here, so they just want to say hi really quickly. Hi, guys. <laughs> so we have Caleb in the back, Sophie here, and, of course, Mimi. All right. So, you know, I'm really excited to share God's Word with you this morning. And... Um, you know, I've been thinking about, and this is going to sound odd, God a lot. Um, and what I want to do today is reflect on the doctrine of God uh, just a little bit and uh, share with you what I think is um, something that we might have uh, forgotten a little bit, not because uh, we're defective in any way, but because we live so far from uh, the writing of Scripture. Uh, so before I launch off into that, let me just open us in a quick word of prayer. Let's ask the Lord to bless us. Uh, let's ask for the Spirit's illumination, and uh, then we'll launch off into uh, this text. Gracious Father, we pray that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, and we want to honor you, Lord God. And we honor you by confessing, Lord, that um, in and of ourselves, um, we lack knowledge, we lack wisdom, we lack insight, and we lack strength to live for you. So... If there's going to be any change, um, any power, um, anything good, it really has to be by your spirit. So we pray 
that you would give us hearts that are open uh, to your spirit. Uh, we pray for illumination that we would grow in the knowledge of your word and that um, these words um, from your word uh, would not just be uh, something intellectual and conceptual, uh, but uh, they would penetrate deep within our hearts and affect the way we live. And we pray that great, we would see great victory, just as David uh, saw great victory over this Philistine giant. And we know that this victory is ours because of the work of Christ Jesus the Lord. Uh, so persuade us by your Spirit's work of who we are in you uh, and what we can do and what you're calling us to do. Fill us with courage uh, and stamina and endurance during this pandemic. And I pray, Lord God, that as the days pass by, that we would grow stronger and our love for you will grow stronger and our daring will become stronger uh, because we realize that we are connected to the life giver and uh, the one who actually gave his life uh, so that we might truly live. So help us to truly live, Lord God. And we pray these things then in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. So we're going to talk about God, um, which, again, is a little odd to say because all sermons uh, really talk about God. Um, but, you know, as I was thinking about this message, um, the first thing I wanted to say is that Scripture was written a very long time ago. So if we believe that Moses wrote the Pentateuch, and I do believe that uh, Moses essentially wrote the Pentateuch, you know, Moses lived over 3,000 years ago. And when we look at, say, the prophets or even the apostles, uh, we can say, you know, the apostle Paul wrote, 2,000 years ago. So the book that we have is an ancient book. And because it's an ancient book, there's been a lot of reflection upon um, the Bible. And so you can go into a bookstore or you can do a Google search and you can read as much as you want about theology. So when we consider the question, who is God or what is God, we can have very um, erudite and um, really insightful definitions of who God is. Why? Because people have reflected for so long. And don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that that is bad. I think that's actually beautiful and good and necessary. And I do love theology. Um, for example, uh, this morning, as your elder, Fred, was leading the, uh, the worship service, um, you guys read from the Heidelberg Catechism, well, if you look at some of these ancient catechisms or the 16th century catechisms, you would um, learn a lot in terms of who God is. Let me give you an example. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says this about God. God is spirit. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, in his wisdom, in his power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And so we have a very conceptual understanding of God. And I think I would say a hearty amen to all of those things. And I'm glad for the catechism. I'm glad for that answer. Now, if you wanted to go a little bit deeper, we can go to the Westminster uh, larger catechism. And it's a more robust definition. Again, it's conceptual. Again, it's beautiful. I hardly, uh, wholeheartedly agree with it. But this is what it says. God is um, spirit. In and of himself, infinite in being, glory, blessedness, and perfection, all-sufficient, eternal, unchangeable, incomprehensible, everywhere present, almighty, knowing all things, most wise, most holy, most just, most merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Now, those are beautiful words. Um, all of those things are true. And if we wanted to prove text them by looking up the places in the Bible where these things are evident, uh, we can actually do that. And so this definition, I think, is very helpful. 
And it wouldn't be a bad idea to memorize this, especially as a young person. And if you can carry this all throughout your life, then you have a good conceptual understanding of God. And I am not downplaying this at all. I think this is so necessary, so beautiful. And that reflection of thousands of years of Christians experiencing God and reflecting upon his word, coming to this definition is one that is beneficial for individuals and communities as well. But I think as we think about the question of who is God or what is God, I think we can go a little bit deeper. And when I do that and I look at, say, the life of Moses, um, it's really interesting. Uh, Moses grew up um, in the courts of Pharaoh. And he grew up with the best of the wisdom of Egypt. So he was the elite of the elite. And he had very little understanding of who God was. And so when Moses meets God at the burning bush and God says, I am who I am, uh, Moses is perplexed. Um, he doesn't know um, what to make of I am who I am. And even theologians today, as they reflect upon that, uh, there is a conundrum there. What does it mean that God is the great I am? What does it mean that he is who he is? Um, and so God, in his condescending grace, um, tells Moses a little more. And uh, God says to Moses, say to the Israelites, and this is what he says, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And by implication, God is going to send uh, Moses to Pharaoh to set God's people free. So God describes who he is. And the way he describes himself is by saying he is the God of Abraham. He is the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses probably had a better understanding of who these people were because they were patriarchs of the Israelites. And that is deeply encouraging uh, because it's not just the conceptual understanding of God. It's a more personal understanding of God, the ancestors of Moses, uh, the people that uh, Moses came from, um, it's their God. Uh, it's the God who has been faithful to them. And, and so I think there is an insight there. Uh, when we ask the question of who is God, yes, it's good to be conceptual. Uh, but it's also good to look at our own histories and look at our own traditions and look at um, what has happened to our families and how we have come to faith. Look at the history of nations and denominations, and we can derive um, great encouragement um, from the Lord, from this. And even as I look at my own family tradition, um, half my family comes from uh, Pyongyang, which is in North Korea now, and they escaped from Pyongyang to Seoul. And even as a little boy um, going on these uh, car trips with my dad, uh, my dad is actually a very good storyteller. So sometimes uh, my brother and I would listen to the stories of what life was like when he was um, a, a young child and some of the escape stories and we were just uh, held in um, um, rapt attention. And we learned about God's faithfulness how God spared our family, how God walked with our family every step of the way, and how he protected them, um, even in the most difficult of times. And so I can say, God is the one who was faithful to my great-grandfather. God is the one who is faithful to my grandparents. Uh, God is the one who is faithful to my parents. And I guess Sophie and Caleb can say, God is the one who has been faithful and good to my parents, namely me and Mimi. 
And so there is great encouragement to trace our histories. And in some ways, I think God is doing that for Moses. And he's saying, Moses, uh, you might not know the great I am, uh, but you do know a little bit about um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the patriarchs, and um, they knew me, and you know them. And so by implication, you know me a little at least, and I am going to send you to the court of Pharaoh to set my people free. So that is a beautiful thing. And I, I hope um, that sometime in your life you are able um, to look at your, your histories, um, look at um, even the history of Good News Church, um, look at any history and see the hand of God there shaping and guiding and protecting and leading um, you. And there will be great, great encouragement. But when we look at this passage, David is a little different. And... Um, I'm sure he has a conceptual understanding of God. Um, there's been enough theological reflection. Um, Jesse seems to be a very godly man, so his father probably said, this is who God is. Um, as a, a young Jewish man, he probably knows the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob as well. Uh, but David, in this passage, has um, a different understanding of God. Um, it's nuanced, actually. Uh, that's probably better to say. And he has an experiential understanding of God. Uh, so when this Philistine giant by the name of Goliath, uh, clad in bronze armor, um, I remember one pastor um, saying that he was the ancient version of Iron Man. I suppose he was. He's this colossal figure. And he's standing and defying the, the armies of the living God. And uh, he's saying, you know, I am the champion of the Philistines. Does anyone want to come up? And if you beat me, then you win. And everyone's petrified. Even Saul, who is um, a head taller than anyone else, is afraid to go out into battle, although he should have uh, gone out into battle. He's, he's petrified. He's filled with fear. And there's this ruddy young man by the name of David, a shepherd boy, and he says, I can do it. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, where does he get the courage or the, the, the brazenness to say, I can do it and I will fell this foe? Um, and he's able to do that because he experienced God in the lonely hills as he's um, watching the sheep of his father. And so he says um, in this passage, when a lion or a bear came and he tried to take down or take away uh, my sheep, I fought him. And I defeated the lion and the bear. So he had experience uh, fighting a lion and a bear. And um, if we take David's words at face value, these are serious victories. Um, you know, I would be scared of a big dog, uh, but he took down a lion. He took down a bear. Uh, that's pretty impressive. But David gives um, a commentary of how he was able to do that. And he was able to do that because the Lord is the one who rescued him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And he says, God will do the same thing with this Philistine. Um, so if God has delivered me, and this is his reason, if God has delivered me from the hand of the bear and uh, God has delivered me from the paw of the lion and his teeth, then surely God will deliver me when I go against this Philistine giant. And he's filled with his confidence. And he's filled with his confidence because he has a conceptual um, and an experiential understanding of God. 
And so when uh, Saul um, sees presumably his great conviction, and he's, this, this young man is so certain and so confident this is going to happen, uh, Saul finally says to David, go, the Lord be with you. Right? So he persuades Saul that he can do it. He sees it in David's eyes that there is not a glimmer of doubt that he will win. And David has this incredible conviction and confidence that he will win because he experienced God before. And he says, just as God delivered me, he will deliver me now, and I will destroy this foe who is blaspheming God and uh, being arrogant against the army of the Lord. So let's take a step back and say we were able to interview David. And we asked David, David, who is God? I don't think David would say he is the great I am. I don't think David would say that he um, is, um, God is infinite in his being, glorious, blessed. He is perfect. He is all sufficient. He's eternal. He's unchangeable. He's immutable. He's everywhere present, all knowing, almighty, all wise, all holy, and etc. He probably wouldn't give that definition, although all those things are true. Now, to be honest, uh, these things do come out in David's Psalms. So he believes in them, and he does have a conceptual understanding of God. But right at this moment, I don't think he would even say, well, he is the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. I think he would say, this is who God is for me. God is the one that allowed me to kill a bear. God is the one who allowed me to protect my sheep. God is the one who allowed me to take down this lion. God is the one who strengthened me and gives me courage. God is the one that will allow me to defeat this foe. You see what I'm saying here? Um, when we ask David who God is, it is very personal. It is very intimate. And it is incredibly experiential, rooted in his own life. And so, because we are so far from Scripture, um, 3,000 years, 2,000 years, or the Reformed creeds as a Reformed church, you know, 500 years, 400 years, 300 years. And we have a lot of studious people who read a lot of theology. Um, sometimes I believe our default mode is God is immutable. God is unchanging and almighty, and he is most wise. And again, those things are good, but I think if we're going to experience the victory that David experienced, then we have to say, well, God is the one who defended me. Uh, God is the one that allowed me to defeat the bear and the lion. You know, so when I look at my own life, um, who is God to me? Um, you know, I was thinking about that uh, on, a, on a bench, and um, God is the one who has forgiven me. Uh, God is the one who has been patient with me. And it's very uh, specific to actually this sermon and this context. Uh, probably in 1996, when the first Good News Church started, um, I had an opportunity uh, to apply for a PhD program and uh, my professor told me, yeah, I'll write a recommendation. You should be able to get it, no problem. 
Um, that would have been the University of, no, not University of, Northwestern University. And I could have been a Reformation scholar, and that's what I wanted to do. But that's when uh, God also put in my heart to start um, a church in central New Jersey. And uh, many of, some of you at least, I, I've met then. So that was like over 25 years ago, believe it or not. Um, and I think my flesh and um, the devil was tempting me, don't start this church, but um, go off to Illinois and study Reformation history. Um, and I repented because I knew that God spared my life uh, to uh, engage in ministry, not just a, a life of the mind. And so when I repented, God forgave me and he has shown me much favor. So who is God to me? Of course, he is the immutable God and unchanging and perfect in all his ways and um, perfect in his being and his wisdom and power. But he's also the God who pursues me. He's also the God who has been gracious to me. He's also the God who takes me off of a wrong path and puts me on a right path. And through his kindness leads me to repentance and leads me in his good path for his sake. And so it's a very personal, um, personal understanding of God. Let me give you another example. Um, time has flown by and uh, Caleb, my, my, my son, is going to be a college student. I can't believe it um, that he's going off to college. And we knew because of the pandemic that uh, Mimi probably would not be able to take him to college. Uh, well, if... Uh, it is, uh, if Illinois is one of those states where you have to quarantine for 14 days, I probably can't go. So we got to put him on a plane by himself. Um, he, he'll be fine. Uh, but it was important for Mimi to see the campus. And so we took a road trip out there and she wanted to pray for Caleb on campus. Um, and so we went, uh, so we drove the 14 hours and we went there. And as we were walking, uh, Mimi was giving uh, Caleb counsel and I, I think Caleb was listening. And uh, Mimi said, um, when you go to college, it's important to listen to God. Uh, so listen to God. He speaks. Okay. And as soon as we turned the corner, there was a huge, beautiful church. And in front of that church was an enormous sign. And that sign said, God still speaks. And we're like, wow, Mimi, you were just talking about this. And the sign says, God still speaks. I was like, Caleb, look. God still speaks. So who is God to Mimi? Well, to Mimi, God is the one, even in the small things, corroborating the things that God has placed upon our heart. And when we see God in that way, it's deeply encouraging. It changes everything. I'll give you another example. You know, both Mimi and I had the coronavirus. Um, so we, we had it early, um, and, uh, it, it, you know, it took longer for Mimi to get better, you know, uh, than me. She's, you know, still a little bit weak. Um, I, I think God healed me, so I, I'm, I'm completely fine. Um, but something funny happened uh, during that time. Um, my neighbor um, ordered uh, nine pineapples and a bunch of other, like, vegetables, and it was in our hallway for a couple of days. So he's my friend. So I emailed him, hey, um, you got a shipment of pineapples and other things. Um, 
you want me to just take care of it because you haven't been here? He goes, oh, John, you know, if you can do that, that'll be so wonderful because uh, what we did was uh, we ordered it, but we canceled it, but I guess they delivered it. Um, so I was like, yes, I just got nine free pineapples. And so instead of throwing it away, um, I brought it home and put it on my kitchen counter, nine pineapples. I went on Google, how do you cut a pineapple? And uh, I, I watched three videos and uh, this Thai woman seemed like she knows what she was doing. So I said, I'm going to use her method. And so if you ever visit me, I'll cut you a pineapple. I am the pineapple cutting champion of the world. I am, I am so good at cutting pineapples. And we began to eat pineapples every day. Lo and behold, uh, pineapples are great for people who have coronavirus. So the pineapples really helped Mimi. So who is God? God is the one who knows what we go through, so much so that he will have my neighbor pay and deliver nine pineapples across the hall so that my wife can eat pineapples and for me to learn how to cut pineapples. That is who God is for me. And so my answer um, is not intellectual, although I do have an intellectual answer of who God is, but it's a very personal um, and intimate answer. God is the one who has delivered pineapples to my family. And that's powerful because we see the love of God there even in the smallest things. God is the one who reminds us that he speaks through a huge banner as we take our kid to college. Um, God is the one who gently leads us uh, on that right path so that we can be faithful to our calling because he knows that we have that spirit of Jonah that wants to flee. And so he redeems and he gives second chances. That is who God is. That's the answer that David gave. I can take this foe. I can take this giant. I can take him because God protected me from the hand of the bear and the lion. And he will give me victory once again. And so when we view God from that perspective, um, it becomes really powerful. And it becomes even more powerful when we do a little bit of biblical theology because, you know, David, in a sense, defeated um, Goliath. And I think there's a lot of symbolic theology there that um, um, Goliath was uh, uh, put in this bronze and he was this champion. Um, he was in a representation of Satan, the devil. And so the one greater than um, David comes, and that's, of course, Christ, because uh, David's eternal kingship really points to the eternal king, who is Christ. And so Christ defeats the final Goliath upon the cross, but it's very paradoxical, uh, because he defeats this final Goliath on the cross through his death. And so it's through the seeming defeat and death and the bruised body and the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross, that he wins the victory. And so we can say that we can live a victorious Christian life, even in this pandemic, even through difficulties, even through persecution and hardships, because our loss is Christ's loss. And Christ's loss upon the cross is actually victory. And so by union with Christ, we have this victory. And so this morning, I want to encourage um, all of you uh, listening at home, and it's great to see um, uh, familiar faces. And I can't believe that um, 
you know, all a lot of the, the folks from early good news who've moved away around this call. Um, it's amazing. It made me so happy to um, see your names. And, you know, I, I do remember, um, you know, after church, we got to go to Wildberry, um, but it's actually called Berry Wild. I always flipped it. Um, and uh, I, I wish we could. Uh, one day, maybe God will uh, allow us to eat some frozen yogurt again uh, soon, sooner than later. Uh, but in any case, um, I want you to know that you can have a victorious Christian life. And in order to have a victorious Christian life, we need to know who God is. And who is God? We have to have a conceptual understanding of God. So dig into your systematic theology. Dig into theological reflection. That's a beautiful thing. Dig into testimonies of other people. Um, dig into your, your family history. Uh, dig into your history. Um, and if you're young ones, and some of you guys are getting a little, little bit older, and uh, I saw in the chat Timo's having a birthday party, you know, Timo, ask your parents um, how God has been good. That is your God. <laughs> and uh, that will be encouraging. And uh, maybe most of all, because there he is, uh, and maybe most of all, um, have opened eyes to see the little details of where God is in your life. He is certainly, certainly there. Um, sometimes we just don't see him because of our dimness of sight, but he is there. He is good. He's always there. He's always blessing. And he's always transforming things uh, for our good, even if we don't understand it. And say that this is who God is. God is the guy. He's, he's the guy who gave me pineapples. You know, he's the one who speaks. Um, he's the one who protected me as I was walking down the street and so on and so forth. And so when we move beyond that, realizing um, that blessings will flow because of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, to ground it in this text, um, David is the champion, but that champion reflects a greater champion who's experienced our loss, which means there is victory for the people of God. I know, guys, that the pandemic is, um, is, is not easy. And um, I know some of you are uh, filled with fear and um, may maybe even boredom. Um, and, you know, on Netflix, um, Groundhog's Day is um, playing. Uh, so if you want to watch Groundhog Day, it's uh, on Netflix. It's, I think it's going off in a couple of days. So if you want to watch it, you better watch it now. Um, I rewatched that movie. Um, and I actually wrote an essay about Groundhog Day because in some ways um, this pandemic makes me think of Groundhog Day. Um, but during this time, we can experience the victory of God and renewal um, when we have a better understanding of who God is. And he is near. He is present. And he is working in our lives in tremendous ways. So I pray that all of Good News Church can say things like, uh, God is the one who delivered pineapples. God is the one who gently put me back on the right path. God is the one who reminds me of his faithfulness and goodness. Um, God, God is the one who was with me when I was driving. Um, God is the one who was with me when I was um, at work. And God is the one who was protecting me uh, on the subway. And I pray that we would have these intimate pictures of who God is.
And when we do that, friends, um, we will be incredible victors. How can we not? When Christ has won that victory, how can we not? When Jesus took our loss, you know, how can we not? Um, when Jesus became our sin, our death upon the cross to give us a new life, resurrected life. How can we not when God has given us his spirit, who is powerful at work in all of our lives? We will have that victory. So may we have eyes to see. Uh, and so let me just, you know, I see Peter picking up his guitar. I think there's going to be a song um, coming up. So let me just pray for us. And I'm going to pray that um, God will, will bless Good News Church, that you would have an intimate understanding of God and see him every day, every single day. And that you be moved by his presence and moved by his power, that you would have a life filled with victory. So let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for Good News Church. Uh, thank you for this congregation that is a remnant, uh, a congregation that you love dearly. Um, and we pray, Lord God, that you will bless every single person, um, whether on this call or not. And you would give them an intimate understanding of who you are. And I pray that they would be able to see, God, that you were the God in the car with them, in the subway, and the bus with them. That you were the God with them changing diapers. You were the God with them um, in the grocery store, at work. You were the one who was with them, helping them in every aspect of their lives. And I pray, Lord God, that they would have this unassailable, unshakable understanding of your presence, Lord God, so that they can say, God is the one who was with me in the hills of Israel as I was tending sheep. God was the one who was with me when I had to face the lion and the bear figuratively or symbolically or literally. Um, we pray, Lord God, that we would have this incredible understanding of who you are. And because of that, I pray that this season, not next season, this season, Lord God, would be a season of victory for the people of God at Good News church that they would have new meaning new strength uh, to serve and love you and to be faithful to you lord god because we believe that this pandemic has not taken anyone by surprise and all the chaos in the world has take not taken you by surprise and you're doing something and you're bringing victory to the people of god so i pray that we would lay hold of that lord and run with it and we pray god by the power of your holy spirit you would break in and that you would persuade us um, that you're with us every single step of the way so that we would be courageous and that we would know beyond a shadow of doubt that we have victory because, um, because of Christ, um, because he has taken our loss upon the cross and he's given us that victory. So we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.